From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening and welcome to this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host this evening and senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council. Happy to be on board with you and extremely honored and pleased to have you joining us. We've got a power-packed program lined up for you this evening. Let me give you some of the highlights that we'll be covering. First of all, the question is, are debt ceiling negotiations actually trending in a positive direction? Speaker McCarthy and I have had several productive conversations, and our staffs continue to meet as we speak, as a matter of fact, and they're making progress. I've made clear time and again defaulting on our national debt is not an option. Well, of course, that was President Biden earlier today in the Rose Garden. Uh, But there are many in Congress who actually departed today for the Memorial Day weekend, and many are saying that perhaps they should be prepared to come back. Well, Maryland Congressman Andy Harris will be joining me here momentarily to give us the latest as to what's happening there. And a Louisiana State Senate committee killed a bill yesterday that would have protected children from experimental gender procedures. And unbelievably, it was actually a Republican state senator who was the deciding vote. So all of us are kind of asking, how in the world could this happen? Well, I'll be talking with Gene Mills, president of the Louisiana Family Forum, about that later in the program. And as the list of European countries who are putting the brakes on so-called gender-affirming care, as that list continues to grow, another question surfaces, why is the United States an outlier country when it comes to poisoning, mutilating, and sterilizing children? Well, FRC's Dr. Jennifer Bowens is going to help explain that as the program unfolds. And of course, we've been talking a good bit this week about Target and their ongoing effort to go woke and the the process literally of insulting and offending their core customers. Well, the truth is Target is just one of many companies that are driving off the cliff for the sake of wokeism. So who else is on the bus? And perhaps a more important question, are some in the pulpit at risk of hopping on the bus? I'll be talking with Pastor Lucas Miles author of the new book, Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity. So we've got a great program lined up for you today. You don't want to miss it, but if in case you do miss any portion of today's program, you can catch it again at TonyPerkins.com, where, of course, not only this episode, but many archives are there for you as well. Again, that is TonyPerkins.com. So all right, let's go ahead and jump into the program this evening As we continue to track the debt ceiling negotiations, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy seemed to strike a rather positive tone last night, uh, saying that Republicans and the White House negotiators actually are moving in a positive direction. But as I mentioned a while ago, most members of Congress now have left Washington, D.C. for the Memorial Day weekend, but they are on notice that within 24 hours they could be called back. Well, joining me now to discuss this is U.S. Representative Dr. Andy Harris. He's a member of the House Appropriations Committee. He's also the co-chair of the House Pro-Life Caucus and a member of the Doctors Caucus as well. He represents Maryland's first congressional district. Dr. Harris, great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Jody. 
Well, listen, let's uh, jump right into this. How how was it on the floor today? What's the attitude that you're hearing regarding the debt ceiling? Well, I have to tell you, on our side of the aisle, we're uh, we're excited because we think uh, we are going to get some spending reductions. Uh, we are going to uh, to you know show the American people that we actually stand up for them. Uh, that that this idea of raising the credit limit without spending uh, control, without controlling your runaway spending, is a very bad idea for the country. Uh, you know, we we did go home, and I think the leadership made the right decision because January June first is a is an artificial deadline. Uh, the bottom line is we have plenty of revenues coming in to pay the interest uh, on our debt. Uh, there is there is zero chance of default. Uh, you know, people are people are doing that and ginning that up. They're using that word just to uh, try to try to make us give in to a clean debt ceiling increase. And there is no way that's ever going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. It really is a fear mongering, really, uh, with all this talk of uh, default. We had uh, former Congressman uh, Dave Bratt on last night, and he said exactly the same message that you were saying in that regard. So uh, what's the latest that you're hearing? I mean, we have a lot of folks that are a lot of members who are traveling back home. Uh, are they prepared to come back? Do you think that's uh, a realistic possibility? Well, you know, since we have a new rule that you have to see a bill uh, for 72 hours uh, before you vote on it, uh, there is no way anything is would happen before midweek or late in the week. I honestly don't think I, I, I can't imagine that they're going to come to a conclusion of the uh, of the negotiations before then, because honestly, the Democrats still don't want to decrease spending. Uh, they still want to uh, fund the Green New Deal, the, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, they don't want to give in on very important points that I think they will in the end. So this will take a little while. I think the, the decision was correct many, many times in the past. And you know, when you were in Congress, uh, the Senate the Senate would pass a bill and go home. And uh, that's what that's what we did. And I think that's the right thing to do. Make the Senate take the next step if necessary. And uh, again, June 1st is going to come and go. There's going to be no default. And then everybody is going to realize that, that this was a straw man set up purely for fear-mongering. Well, I tell you, uh, Dr. Harris, you and your colleagues there on the Republican side have tremendous leverage right now to make some historic decisions to literally spend uh, less in the federal government and to cut our out-of-control spending. And we're, we're just proud of the, the way that the unified party uh, of the GOP right now is standing in one. President Biden did make some remarks today in the Rose Garden. I wanted to play a clip and get your reaction to this. Play clip two, please. Now, I want to be clear that the negotiations we're having with Speaker McCarthy is about the outlines of what the budget will look like, not about default. It's about competing visions for America. All right. What do you take on that? Do, do you feel take a little bit of optimism there? Uh, look, the, the president is trying to backpedal us as uh, fast as he can from his position for 97 days of not negotiating at all with uh, Speaker McCarthy, of saying that it has to be a clean debt ceiling. It is not going to be a clean debt ceiling increase. There are going to be spending controls attached to it. And the president, again, look, the president reads his poll numbers. Uh, an, a, a large majority of Americans agree that if we're going to raise the credit limit, we have to control spending. And it's not just the dollar amount. It's what it's being spent on. The woke policies of this administration uh, are not only going to bankrupt us monetarily, they're going to bank the, bankrupt us spiritually and morally. Well, I could not agree more. 
Uh, Andy, I think you were spot on on that. And yet it's amazing to me how the Democrats continue uh, their push on this wokeism and funding it and forcing it down the throats of Americans. Uh, this is just something that cannot be tolerated. As you said, not only is our economic system at risk, but our moral and spiritual foundations as well. Uh, there, there are reports that many Democrats are now using the media uh, to try to message directly to the White House how upset they are with the negotiations that are taking place based on what you just said, that they don't want to stop or slow down spending. Uh, is that the impression that you're getting? Oh, absolutely. Look, they're frustrated. They're still, honestly, they're still in the stage of denial uh, because they they didn't believe that the Republicans could get together and pass that debt ceiling increase with reasonable spending uh, restraints. Uh, they still think that somehow that, that we should be doing a clean debt ceiling increase. Uh, you know, 70 or 80 of them took to the floor for one minute speeches after uh, after uh, the session today, uh, all with the same message that somehow those nasty Republicans were going to defund veterans and seniors and children and all this nonsense. The bottom line is we're calling for returning to spending levels of six months ago, like literally six months ago. And they would say that the sky is falling if that happens. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I, I fact, just to uh, I go along with what you just said, I want to play another clip of uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the, the minority leader who, like you said, among many other Democrats standing up, slamming Republicans and all this. Uh, get uh, play, clip three, please. What is clear to me increasingly is that many extreme MAGA Republicans have made the political calculation that a dangerous default and crashing the economy and triggering a recession is in their political interests. That is unpatriotic. It's amazing that it is so unpatriotic and extreme to cut out-of-control spending. Just well, phenomenal. what's amazing What's amazing is that obviously 60% of Americans are unpatriotic because they agree with our position. They agree <laughs> yes. that you have to have spending control. Look, the, the, uh, Mr. Jeffries, you know, again, I respect him, but he lives in a in a in a fake world where he thinks uh, it's it's all monopoly money we're dealing with. It's not. It's people's future. It's it's inflation. And again, it's what this spending is being spent on. We have to control it and we have to divert it to where it needs to be and not to the woke policies which are harming America. Absolutely. If I can, Congressman Harris, uh, I'd like to switch topics real quickly. The um, House Oversight Committee is continuing their investigation into the Biden family corruption. And of course, so far, the FBI has been stonewalling. Uh, what is your take? What are you hearing? Uh, and what, what what's going to happen here with the FBI? Are they going to comply at the end of the day? Well, I think I think we're going to have to turn up the heat through the appropriations process. You know, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to make them feel some pain uh, because they'd much rather investigate parents standing up at uh, school board meetings than, uh, you know, Hunter Biden and the Biden family's, you know, criminal uh, uh, complicity uh, with with foreign agents. Uh, this is an FBI that's out of control. Uh, they 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 don't know what their priorities ought to be. Again, they're carrying through the woke policies of this administration. Uh, they don't want parents to have rights. They want, you know, the state to take care of children. And they want again, they want to they'd rather investigate parents going to school board meetings than Hunter Biden collecting million dollar board position salaries uh, when he knows nothing about the industries that uh, that he gets the board, the board position in Ukraine, for example. 
Well, and not just the money in his pocket, but the high risk and possibility that our national interests and national security had been compromised in all of that. Uh, so it's a, do you think there's a, an appetite, as you mentioned, to uh, go after the FBI funding-wise? Is there an appetite there to see that happen? Oh, I know there is. Uh, they want to they want to build a new FBI building, for instance, that literally is going to have a footprint larger than the Pentagon. So just think about that for a second, uh, because the FBI is our internal surveillance org. Uh, you know, that, that that's for internal justice. They want to actually make that bigger than our Defense Department headquarters. Uh, we're not we're going to say no. We're just going to we're just going to, for instance, we're just going to stop funding that uh, any any talk of an increase in size of their headquarters or a new headquarters. But I think we also need to reorganize the FBI. We need. And again, the men and women who are in the rank and file of the FBI are, you know, work hard. They uphold the Constitution, but the leadership levels have been infected. There's no question about it. All right. We've only got about 15 seconds. So quick answer. The House today passed the HALT Fentanyl uh, Act. What would that legislation accomplish? Hugely important. What it does is it's, it, it makes those people who deal in these drugs, these very, very dangerous drugs, it's serious criminals. It treats them like serious criminals and gives them hard minimum sentences. Outstanding. Thank you, Dr. Andy Harris. We appreciate you joining us on Washington Watch, and thanks for your tremendous leadership in D.C. Thanks, Jody. You bet. All right, friends, coming up, there's an important bill to protect children from the harmful effects of experimental gender procedures, and it was killed in a Louisiana State Senate committee. A Republican senator made the deciding vote. We'll tell you about it right after the break. Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace the their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Extremely honored to be sitting in for Tony and for joining you on this Thursday evening of the program. Well, yesterday, a Louisiana Senate committee literally killed a bill to protect children from gender procedures in that state. And it's amazing, Republicans have the majority in the committee. But a Republican state senator, Fred Mills, voted with Democrats as the swing and deciding vote against this proposed law to protect children from sterilization and mutilization. And it's just amazing to me how something like this could happen. Well, joining me now to discuss this and how we can help is Gene Mills. He's the president of the Louisiana Family Forum. Gene, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you, sir. It's good to be with you, Jody. Thank you for all the good work you do in FRC as well. Well, thank you so much. Well, listen, let's uh, first kind of set the record straight on this bill. I want to play uh, to begin with what a, a pediatric psychologist, Dr. Clifton Mixon, actually said about this bill and get your reaction to it. Play clip five, please. We do not get to just remove health care for one vulnerable population. That is discrimination. And this bill was about discrimination. It was not about protecting kids. This bill was not about protecting kids. Really? Uh, well, uh, respond. Give us the truth about this. Well, that was the essence of the bill is to stop harming children. And basically, it doesn't prohibit procedures. It just simply says a child's not in an age of consent where they can provide necessary medically informed consent to do a surgery or to begin hormonal procedures that could be permanent or irreversible and alter their trajectory for the rest of their lives. And an impeccable case was made by all in testimony, the attorneys. We had allied attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom, Matt Sharp. We had physicians from Louisiana. We had moms whose children had experienced transition, and we had detransitioners. And I got to tell you, the case was compelling. When I say this is the closest thing to an impeccable hearing I've ever attended in the 40 years or so that I've been doing this, it is phenomenally correct. They just they, they handed it off in a phenomenal manner. And the only thing that was a surprise was the final vote. Yeah, that's uh, it was a surprise to all of us, Gene. It, it really was. And I'm I'm really glad the way you painted the picture of what took place, because uh, I have heard the same. We have heard the same of the just compelling testimonies, uh, many tragic personal stories of regret for going down that path and, and and just an overwhelming sense of medical evidence. And yet the Senate 
controlled by Republicans still killed this. And I, I, is it true? I, I understand that the governor in Louisiana carries a pretty big stick across the board economically and otherwise. Uh, it, it, was there some pressure from uh, Governor John Bell Edwards to uh, prevent this bill from coming out of committee? Absolutely. And to be fair, that's not new with John Bell. That's been Louisiana politics since Huey Long and beyond. We're trying to break those old structures where your governor determines who your Speaker of the House is going to be, who your Senate president is going to be, which appropriation measures are going to handle drainage issues or roads and bridges. And that's how they hold members hostage. And in this case, John Bell, in an exit from the Louisiana politics scene, because he will be, he's term limited. This is his final hurrah. Just simply didn't want this bill on his desk. And we are told he doubled down. The members who are Democrats who had given us commitments that they were going to vote with us flipped at the final hour. And surprisingly, the chairman did as well. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this. I mean, it it seems and it is. I mean, it's an enormous disappointment. Uh, many of us were watching that uh, with, I, of course, nothing is ever done until it's across the finish line. I get that. But there was great hope with this. So is there a way for the state Senate there to correct it at this point? Or is all the water under the bridge and this thing totally behind us? Well, it's difficult because there's many procedures that have to be followed. And some of those are technical and some haven't been implemented in some time. But the Senate has every right under its code 13 section one to simply suspend the rules, pull this bill out of the calendar and out of order and command that the committee uh, you know, place the bill before the legislature or before the state Senate. Now it can do it without recommendation. It can do it with a negative recommendation or it could do it favorably. Uh, right now that's up to the procedural motion. There is the vote on the Senate floor the question is, and ironically, here's the, here's the nuance that doesn't escape the fact that this is still Louisiana. The parliamentarian who will rule on that motion happens to be the chairman who was the deciding vote that voted it down, Fred Mills. Oh, wow. Well, obviously, that makes it a much more difficult hurdle to overcome. But has anyone yet made the motion? Or a simple conflict of interest. <laughs> right. Well, a great point there. I mean, he could uh, someone ought to bring that uh, to a point of order that there's a, a definite conflict of interest there. Have either of those motions been presented, either a conflict of interest or just the motion to uh, suspend the rules and get a floor vote? We've done it once before, uh, some 20 years ago. It's a rather rare motion. Most cannot remember that. Some say, and including the parliamentarian may not recall it. But if they go back in the archives, they will find that it has been played. It is an approved motion. It's got to gain the support of the body, and it requires 20 simple votes of the not the of the members present, regardless of how many are there. Right now, they're giving their retirement speeches. As we speak, the senator in question, Fred Mills, who happens to be a friend and an ally on many pro-life votes, and who explained his vote this way. He simply said, I don't believe we ought to get between the patient-doctor relationship. So well, with regard to that, Senator Mills, you voted on a number of pro-life bills that did exactly that. And you introduced wow. the medical marijuana scheme, which deploys the strategy 
and the context with which that can occur. So that was simply wow. a political answer. It can be done. All right, Gene, listen, we've only got about a minute left here, actually less than that. So we, we've got to get some momentum, uh, some heat, if you will, uh, to get this on the floor. What can people do? Who can they contact to uh, put some pressure on their senators? Well, no one person needs to be picked out, but we are generating our efforts toward the Senate President, Paige Cortez, and the members of the entire body, the Louisiana Senate. They can go through our website, louisianafamilyforum.org, or if you're in the state of Louisiana, you can contact the Senate switchboard at 225-342-2040 and ask, based upon your zip code, to get a message to your state senator, and they will relay that message directly. Gene, thank you so much for joining us. We'll put that number on the website, so if anyone missed it, they can get it. Thanks for joining us. Friends, after the break, I'll continue this conversation with Dr. Jennifer Bowens. Stay tuned. Much more straight ahead right after the break. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Again, I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in this evening for Tony, and we welcome you on board this evening. I want to continue the discussion that we were just having on the uh, with uh, regarding what happened yesterday in Louisiana, where a Republican state senator voted with every Democrat on that particular committee to kill a bill uh, that would have protected children from uh, gender surgeries. And I Gene Mills, he just mentioned what that particular senator said in one of his speeches, something to the effect that he believes in his heart of hearts that that type of decision should be between a patient and a physician. 
Well, joining me now to discuss this and particularly why our country has become a medical outlier for these uh, procedures is Dr. Jennifer Bowens. Um, she, of course, is the uh, director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council, and she also uh, submitted testimony to the uh, Louisiana legislature on this particular bill. So, not only is she an expert on the topic, but she's an expert as to what happened in Louisiana. Dr. Bowens, again, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Great to be with you again, Jody. Well, thank you so much. All right, we've got this state senator who uh, evidently is wanting to hide behind the white coats of doctors, quite frankly, at this point, saying, oh, this is a decision between the patient and the, the doctor. Uh, what, what What's going on here? Um, I mean, respectfully, that's a cop-out. Um, I think at this point, <laughs> there is no one who's charged to make law in this nation that can say that they they don't understand the issue. There's so much information out there uh, from every state house. Uh, there's all these other countries that have backed away from these procedures for minors because they've looked at the science. They've looked at, they've done reviews of the research out there. And everyone who's actually reviewed the literature has backed away, away from these procedures for minors. So it, not only do you have these systematic reviews that can easily dispel you know, the, the research being used to scaffold um, these horrible things done to minors, but, you know, we also have the Nuremberg Code. We have the Research Act of 1974, the, the Belmont Report of 1979, all of these things that show us and, and command us as both uh, researchers, and we have the Hippocratic Oath for the actual practice of it, that say, do no harm. Um, and when we start to see that the, the harms of the procedures or the quote-unquote treatments are causing more problems than they're benefiting. That's when we are obligated to back away from the procedures. You know, I, I'd like to say to the previous senator, uh, Senator Mills, uh, who who voted with Democrats on this, you know, would you would you get between the patient? and their doctor if they were performing a lobotomy. You know, it's easy to look back hindsight and see something as horrible, but when it's occurring on your hour, what are you going to do? Great point. Well, you know, you, you bring up a lot of uh, incredibly potent information, which makes me beg the question, with all the research, with all the science to back up, with all the evidence that is there, regarding this whole transgender ideology. How in the world has, in spite of the facts and the science, has virtually every medical association embraced this ideology? Yeah, it's stunning. <laughs> um, it really is. It, it's, it's really amazing that you, you know, we're in this place uh, having this discussion. But, you know, when, when you look at a lot of academic institutions, which uh, these medical associations are connected with, you know, you, you see the sort of siloed nature where, of, of the research. And it's fascinating. I mean, you could pick any topic in the social sciences 
And you'll find that people who have a vested interest in the topic are the ones doing the research. And now, you know, research guidance would tell you, you know, we're supposed to be transparent about our findings and so forth. But you see people who, who are the producers of transgender uh, research are themselves transgender or highly invested in it. So, you know, one, you have the ideologi uh, ideological bent, but certainly, you know, huge profits are made off of this. I think a lot of our listeners know that, you know, you see surgical markets predicted to exponentially grow over the next 10 years. And then, um, you know, I, I really do believe there are some who believe with all their heart that they are doing the right thing, that they're doing the compassionate thing. But, you know, that's just someone who's misinformed because they haven't looked at the literature or they haven't looked at the science supporting this because all you have to do is scratch the surface and you can see how, how terrible it is. Well, it's, it's horrible that uh, you most of, more often than not follow the money trail, uh, and, and that's, that's a shame in this case. Uh, let me uh, switch on. We've only got about a minute left. Uh, what happened in Louisiana, in Louisiana is a great disappointment. Uh, for for many of us, but there's still some positive momentum. There's there's reason for encouragement. I think some 18 states have now passed some good legislation in this regard. Uh, your, your your thoughts? Are we going to see this thing continue to unravel? Absolutely. I think um, we're going to see more and more people, unfortunately, who've been harmfully impacted by this, and they're going to be more Chloe Coles. Um, again, unfortunate, but we're going to see people come out in um, with a great loud voice, and we're going to see we're going to see parents rise up as well and push their uh, states to protect their kids. And we are seeing that right. there are 18 states moving forward, so we're, we're seeing good momentum. And so we just need to keep keep beating the drum. Keep it up. Thank you, Dr. Bowens. Great job. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Jody. All right, friends, we're going to talk about Target and a whole list of companies that are shooting themselves in the foot to try to outpride one another. I will be speaking with Pastor Lucas Miles, author of a new book, Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to have you on board with us this evening. All right, we've got all sorts of companies from Calvin Klein, Bud Light, uh, Target. Uh, These are some of the bigger ones, perhaps, but they're just uh, a few out of many recent corporations to fall on their face while trying to push a woke indoctrination on their customers. And, of course, Bud Light has suffered catastrophic losses in profits and uh, have actually become some sort of punchline to uh, the whole sort of jokes and, frankly, what ought to be a negative model to other corporations. So the question is, is corporate America ever going to learn? But more importantly, what are the lessons here for churches and for Christians? What lessons should we be learning as we are trying to influence wokeism ourselves? Well, join me now to discuss this is Pastor Lucas Miles. He hosts the Epic Times program, Church and State, with Lucas Miles. He's also author of the new book, Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity. He's also a faculty member at Summit Ministries. So, Pastor Lucas, welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, it's our, our privilege. All right, we've got a, this. What a what an enormous topic here. It's kind of like, where do, where do we begin? Uh, but we look at the uh, activism the corporate activism that we've recently watched from one big company after another. Have you ever seen anything like this? What's your take on it all? Look, I think we have companies like Target and others that are profiteering off of the mental health crisis with our America's youth. And, uh, you know, it's it's very interesting. It's easy to, to look at them and go, you know, what are they thinking? Don't they know what this is going to do? And there's part of me that's starting to really believe that this is all part of the plan. 
uh, that that this is all part of this dismantling of just the American way of life that uh, uh, that that the radical left has been so intent on for so long. That's driven by this Marxist substructure that we have, and because it's one company after another, from Adidas to Ford to you know to many others, Levi's, Calvin Klein. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So I I think you bring up a great point that needs to be questioned. Are these companies that blind and that disconnected with America, or are they willing to take a profit loss for the sake of pushing a political agenda? Is that what you're beginning to question yeah. yourself? Absolutely. I mean, and I think that there is, you know, there there are likely other benefits for these companies in doing this. There's no reason logically that that companies that have thrived on capitalism for so long that are really some of the mainstay you know, corporations in America would all jump off of a cliff, you know, with decisions like this pushing wokeness. Uh, there has to be other benefits for them. So whether that's, you know, backroom deals or some other sort of, uh, uh, you know, things related to ESG, I don't know. But I think that all of us in America, we need to be asking these questions to really get to the bottom of what's actually going on here, because I don't believe their marketing departments are that bad. Hey, uh, great point. And you raise all sorts of questions in my mind that just start exploding while you go down this path. I think there needs to be some uh, some sort of uh, in investigative reporting or something to try to get to the bottom of that. But if we can, let's move on. Your your new book, The uh, Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity. Tell me a little bit about that. What inspired you to write this? What is the message that you're wanting to get across? Yeah, Woke Jesus is essentially... Uh, what I wanted to become is the definitive resource for understanding wokeism and how it's affected the church. I start in the 1700s and kind of work our way forward. And arguably, I start even earlier than that with taking a, an in-depth look at Gnosticism and seeing the connections between that and really the, uh, the some of these modern iterations that we see of wokeness. Um, but we go through, we connect the dots. Uh, you know, I start in the forward to the book. I quote the early church father, Irenaeus. And one of the things that he said in his book against heresies is that the reason he wrote that book in the second century is because he saw the church in the first century struggle to defeat Gnosticism. And he said it was because they didn't understand it fully. So he wrote a resource trying to help the church understand it. It's really with that same spirit that I put out Woke Jesus. I want the church to understand wokeism. I want them to understand what's happening with this uh, this, this uh, uh, sexualized revolution that we're seeing in transgenderism so that they can begin to learn how to really you know, dismantle these beliefs, refute them, and then obviously present the truth of the true biblical Christ. And how to guard themselves from falling uh, off the same cliff. It's it's a disturbing trend that we have many uh, churches, even denominations, uh, organizations, uh, academic institutions that were founded truly on biblical principles that tend to be embracing little by little, and some by huge strides, this woke Christianity, if we can even describe it that way, progressive Christians, woke Christians, making the case, many of them, that Jesus himself was woke. Uh, is, is there any support whatsoever to support that type of argument? Look, wokeism is antithetical to the gospel 100 uh, percent. It's interesting. We've always had heresies in Christianity the last 2,000 years. We could point to all sorts of them. 
What's different today is that we're seeing heresy funded by the radical left. We're seeing uh, donations be made to, um, you know, major Christian nonprofits and Christian universities in order to get them to really slowly navigate or, or drift away from their, their founding principles and take on or, or maybe stop talking about certain issues. Like, you know, if we give you this grant, would you be willing to maybe talk about, uh, you know, this traditional marriage less or gender a little bit less? Uh, and so there's been a lot of financial pressure that's been placed on the church. What I could say, what I can say is this, is that one of the reasons that I believe things like wokeism or 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 sort of a counterpart to that is critical race theory are so antithetical to the gospel is they actually rob people of their ability to be able to, to suffer for Christ. You know, when you're, if you're a woke Christian, if we can call it that, you can't suffer for Jesus. You can't be persecuted for your faith. Why? Because all persecution is a result of your your race, your skin color, your socioeconomic status, your country of origin, your immigration status. It's never for the sake of the gospel. And this is one of many reasons I believe that wokeism contradicts the uh, um, the teachings of Jesus and the teachings that we see in the New Testament. Great point. And you, you really raise another thought with me, this whole concept of what is a, becoming a popular term now, phraseology of Christian nationalism, how does this fit into the, the broader picture? Look, there are there are those uh, that are conservative that have sort of embraced this accusation of Christian nationalists. They're saying, I love God, I love my country. If you want to call me a Christian nationalist, then I'll embrace it. I took a look, take a little bit of a different perspective on that in the book, Woke Jesus. One of the things that I look to is really understanding the reason why the left are calling Christians Christian nationalists. I believe it's a dog whistle. I believe that they're trying to get people to associate evangelical Bible-believing Christians with Nazi Germany, one place in history that we see Christian nationalism uh, really front and center. So what I always tell people is, let's go there. Let's go to Nazi Germany and look at what happened. In Nazi Germany, during the Third Reich, there were two main churches. There was the professing church, which, you know, heroes of the faith like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth were part of. And there was also the German, um, uh, the German church, which became known as the German Nazified church. And that church was the church that actually abandoned Orthodox Christian teaching and exchanged, as our friend Eric Metaxas likes to say, they exchanged the, uh, the, the Bible for Mein Kampf and the, and the cross for the swastika. They are the true Christian nationalists in that situation. It wasn't the evangelical Bible-believing church. In America, the same is true. The evangelicals that love God and country, they're just doing what good Christians do. They become good citizens in their nation. They follow God, and they follow the authorities that have been established by God. What, what we're seeing on the radical left, though, in Christian uh, uh, progressive churches is what we're seeing is that they are willing to set aside a biblical agenda in order to bow to the state. There's no difference between the agenda of the progressive church or woke Christians and the Biden administration right now when it comes to marriage, sexuality, gender, immigration, um, open borders, socialism. They have the exact same perspective. Why? Because the radical left church has bowed their knee to the state. Wow, extremely well said. I remember being on the House floor shortly after January 6th, uh, that infamous day, and Speaker Pelosi at the time literally made the statement referring to the U.S. Capitol, specifically the People's House, uh, where she referred to the House as the temple of democracy. And I think we often look at the left as godless, without morals, and to some extent that may be true. But there appears to be more to it than that. This godliness is actually, this progressivism, as you describe it, it is itself 
becoming a form of religious religious devotion uh, is how 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 do we wrap our minds around this? Yeah, and I, I go through this in detail in my book Woke Jesus. I really show that that ultimately wokeism is a religion, and it's it's a religion uh, that is it's undergirded with Marxism. It's undergirded with Gnostic thought. I actually think that this is perhaps one of the keys to defeating it. Now, I would have to, you know, uh, uh, probably defer to uh, some of our great legal uh, conservative minds in this nation for really uh, what our options are in this. But what I see right now, just at a at a, at a pastoral level, is I see a government. Uh, that is preferring one religion over another. In fact, the United States Constitution, the way that I understand it and read it, should not give preference to one religion over another. But what I am seeing is that wokeism is given preference, uh, that that you know DEI ideology is given preference, that critical race theory is given preference, that BLM is given preference in our nation. And I believe that these all of these ideologies have a religious substructure to them. And they're not necessarily worshiping, you know, uh, the same God that we are or a God in the traditional sense, but they have a religious adherence to statism, to Marxism. And that, from my estimation, as somebody who's been studying religion my entire life, is, uh, in fact, a religion. And so my hope is that at some point that that we're able to call the wokeism what it really is. It's a false religion. And and I think that in doing so, it might actually empower people to be able to push this out out of the state house uh, more than it's than it is right now because obviously it's been given free reign. Pastor Lucas Miles, I think you're spot on with that. And you know, so here we find ourselves <clears throat> caught in this, not caught because we're we're conquerors through Christ, but we are in the midst of a spiritual battle, combating among other things wokeness theology, if we can put it within that context. Uh, and you you have uh, done a great job drawing our attention to a well-known passage of Scripture, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. What are some lessons that we as believers in this context, environment in which we are living today, what are some lessons that we need to draw from Ephesians 6? And when you think about Ephesians 6, I think for many people, it's sort of regulated to a Sunday school lesson for kids. You know, you you see the kids come out of a kid's church on a Sunday morning, and they've made out a cardboard and colored, you know, all the different attributes of the, the armor of God that we see listed in Ephesians 6. And what I always try to remind people is that Ephesians 6 was written by Paul, the apostle to the church, to the church as a whole. It wasn't just written for the Sunday school class. And we are called all as believers to put on the armor of God. This is why I think it's so important. I actually believe that the armor does exactly what Paul intended for it to do. And that is it helps us defend ourselves from false beliefs. If you put on the helmet of salvation, what does that tell you? It reminds you that you have been saved, that you're not entitled uh, to salvation, but that it is a, a free gift by grace through faith that has been imparted unto you. If you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you're reminded that righteousness and holiness matter, and also that righteousness was a gift for us on the cross, that I don't have an innate righteousness all of my own. If you put on the belt of truth, you're reminded that that there is a thing called truth. There is an absolute truth, an authoritative truth. I just did some work with uh, uh, Dr. George Barna and others for a new book called Helping Millennials Thrive, and some of the the research coming out of uh, of Barna and in the Arizona um, uh, Christian University group there, they're finding that the percentage of pastors even today that believe that the word of God is still the authority, that the Bible is the inerrant word of God has dropped just really a depressing number. It's below, I think, you know, 24, 25% now 
And so when we see that, we have to remember, when we put on that belt of truth, that truth is real. It, it, it's not my truth. It's not your truth. It is the truth, and that truth is the Word of God. Lastly, I, we have the, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? It means that evangelism matters. We can turn away from this nonsense of Christian universal, universalism that everybody's saved, you know, regardless of what they believe. And it's so important that we put this armor on so we can stand against these false doctrines that are being presented by this woke gospel. Outstanding. All right, we've got uh, less than two minutes left. I want to get to some practical, what do we do? Let's begin with pastors. Uh, You've got a pledge that you are presenting to pastors, and then transition to what can biblically-minded Christians do to combat wokeism. Uh, About a minute and a half. Yep, so we have a new uh, a new platform called AmericanPastorProject.org, AmericanPastorProject.org, and this is a place where pastors can go and sign a digital signatory as a commitment to biblical orthodoxy. It's based upon the Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, historic Christianity. It should work for any denomination. And then also there's a commitment in there to stand against wokeism at your local church. And, and basically this, this is, is, the goal of this is to eradicate wokeism in America. And I believe the church has to take a stand. Along with this, we have regular conference calls for pastors, opportunities for the, to connect with other like-minded pastors in their area, uh, hearing from national thought leaders. And so I want to encourage any pastor to go there and sign it. If you're not a pastor, go see if your pastor has signed it. There's a church locator. You can ask your pastor about it. You can ask your pastor to sign it. If your pastor won't sign it, there's a good chance you might be in a woke church, and it might be time to find a new place to worship. Okay, so where do people go? Where do pastors go for that? And what can Christians do to combat this? 30 seconds. Yeah, so they can go to AmericanPastorProject.org to find out more, or you can visit LucasMiles.org if you want to order Woke Jesus or wherever books are sold. All right, and Christians need to be praying right now, and they need to be encouraging their pastors to stand in the pulpit and preach what the Bible has to say about the issues that are uh, infecting our culture and our society today. Absolutely. Look, you know, I'm an optimist. God wins in the end. It doesn't mean the church in America always thrives, though. We have a lot of work to do, and we have to keep at it. But we win in the end. Pastor Lucas Miles, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, what an incredible program. A lot of information here. Again, keep in mind our website, TonyPerkins.com. Encourage others to check out any part of the program that you think they need to hear. Have a fantastic rest of your evening. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.